The goal of this podcast is to help you break in and thrive in advertising. And welcome to Adjunct, where we interview the best and brightest advertising lecturers and professors across the country to lend some advice to your ears without spending all those dollars on a university credit. This week, we have on Dr. Jason P. Chambers. Dr. Chambers is the Associate Dean for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, and he's also an Associate Professor of Advertising at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, also where I went to school. Dr. Chambers' research background and course offerings are all historically based. He currently teaches a section of an advertising history course as well as a course on the foundations of advertising. He's also crafted a course that examines the use of race and ethnicity in advertising. So Chambers has presented his research into the African-American consumer market both nationally and internationally. His work has been published in books and journals in the United States, Asia, and Europe. He's also appeared on the History Channel, discussing advertising issues in various periodicals, including Forbes and Black Enterprise magazines. They have sought his opinions. In addition to being a consultant on advertising history programs such as the BBC, he has consulted with national nonprofit organizations and Fortune 100 companies, as well as ad agencies on matters of diversity, stereotyping, and various consumer issues. So in this episode, we talk about the importance of diversity across the university system, within the College of Media at UIUC, and its growing importance in today's industry. Jason tells us about his career, his books he's authored, and advice on how to achieve a prosperous career. And who doesn't want that? So let's get into it. This is the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. And as usual, I'm your accomplice, Gino Schellenberger. Kick it, Mikey. All right, Dr. Jason P. Chambers, how are you doing today? Welcome to Adjunct. I am well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited to have you on because I've done 15 or so of these recordings for Adjunct where I interview uh, professors, lecturers uh, across the country teaching advertising at different universities or colleges. And I haven't had anyone on from my alma mater which is the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. So welcome. I'm excited to talk to you also because I've never had you as a, as, a, as a professor, and I feel like we haven't really worked together at all. So I could have chosen, you know, any of the professors I have had, like I, I've known pretty well. So this is actually an opportunity for us to get to know each other, and, and I'm really excited for that. Outstanding, outstanding. I don't know how you got through without, uh, without, a, without being in my class, but here we are. Maybe I got to check my diploma. Maybe, maybe I never got it. Who knows? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe there's an asterisk on it, but maybe this can, this can supplement for that. So let's talk about you today. Let's talk about the school. Let's talk about your goals and your advice for advertising students. But first and foremost, tell us what your title is at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Uh, Title-wise, I am currently the Associate Dean for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion in the College of Media, where the Department of Advertising resides. I'm also an, asso an Associate Professor in the Department of Advertising as well. So a Dean and a Professor here. Um, how do you balance both of those different roles? What do those, what do those mean? Uh, for, 
for the associate dean for DEI, what that means is I help to lead the College of Media's conversations about diversity, help to really elevate it within the college, help to provide a link between the college, the units in the college, as well as the larger university, as well as link myself with other senior diversity leaders on campus, just so we're constantly developing and maintaining best practices and maintaining an alliance with the strategy and the outlook and the planning of the, uh, of the larger university. Beautiful. For that, then, so does every college in the university have a DEI uh, officer or dean? No, not necessarily. What we're finding is I've been in this role. Uh, I did some pre-work in this role as a dean's fellow for two years, and I've just, I started the formal associate dean role uh, in, the, in August of last year. And what we're finding, what the college, the university's finding, rather, is that the, how each college uh, approaches diversity leadership might be different. A number of them do, several of them do, well over a dozen do have somebody specifically in this role. Somebody, another college might have it, might have a diversity leader, but they might not be operating as an, um, as an associate dean. One of the things that U of, U of I prides itself on is, um, you know, kind of decentralization. So the university doesn't mandate specific roles that leaves that up to colleges and leaves that up to units. But we're finding you know, a dozen, dozen and a half or more uh, colleges have, have senior diversity leaders at this point operating in a role like mine. Gotcha. So, and you're working with all the different um, deans, perhaps, or representatives from these different colleges. So how do you guys um, align on the strategy for the whole university? Well, the university foregrounds diversity, right? The Chancellor Jones, uh, Vice Chancellor for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, Sean Garrick, they're really forward thinking and forward leaning in terms of diversity leadership, in terms of diversity research, in terms of linking the university with uh, underrepresented populations. And so what we try to do as senior diversity leaders as, is as we operate within our own spaces, whether that's the College of Engineering or the College of Business or College mm -hmm. of Law or College of Media, what we try to do is as we operate in our own individual spaces, in our own individual areas and industries, when we come together as a group, we try to bring that learning in such that we can learn from one another. Because as I said, with each unit maybe being a little bit ahead or a little bit behind one another in terms of where they are in the diversity journeys, it's easy for us to, you know, balance that learning or bounce that learning off of one another such that we can make such that such that we can learn with from one another, mm -hmm. but also then with diversity as a key part of the university strategic plan making sure that we're maintaining those best practices with what the university's doing in terms of research, in terms of hiring, in terms of programming, uh, in terms of workshops, in terms of student opportunities, really making sure that that's filtering down from that broader university space into that, mm -hmm. you know, to the lives of our faculty, our staff, and our students. I love it. And I guess, can you speak on this, the current state of what you're finding since you started this role for the College of Media specifically? What, what are you guys working towards? What, what, what have you noticed? You know, I think what we're working towards is continuing, you know, continuing to grow in the space, right? Continuing to take advantage of opportunities, continuing to explore the breadth of what diversity means, be it race, ethnicity, gender, orientation, all of the, you know, diversity of thought, all of the broad ways in which diversity can be measured, can be maintained, it, all the broad ways in which we, we can pursue excellence in that. And so what we're finding is that, you know, we have a lot of support amongst the faculty, the staff, and the students, but 
you know, that constant need or that ongoing need to, to, to maintain um, that push in those areas such that we don't, you know, kind of backslide, if you will, into, you know, maybe practices that we had, maybe business as usual, as it were. So just kind of maintaining that, that focus as we, as we manage diversity, right? Because we, you know, we and I envision diversity as a resource, right? Diversity is a resource for excellence. And particularly here in the College of Media, as we are in the, you know, we're in the persuasion and representation industries, mm-hmm. right? We're in journalism, we're in advertising, we're in media and cinema studies. As we're in those industries, persuasion and representation, audience recognition, value recognition, then it's incumbent upon us to continue to strive to represent that great breadth of diversity, not just in the United States, but in the broader in the broader world for whether it's for our brands, for our readers, for our, our viewers, if we're in that media and cinema space. And so having that as an ongoing part of our students' education, I think is really going to kind of leverage them and vault them forward as leaders in these spaces when they, when they leave U of I and enter uh, the workaday world, if you will. Yeah. So I, I'm curious then, and how do you implement that into the classroom? And I know you, you teach some classes as well. So is it mandated for students to take some courses? Like, what are we, what are you guys doing with those efforts? Well, for example, the university now mandates and has for an, a number of years now, in terms of the general education requirements, they mandate a diversity requirement. If it's uh, U.S. minority cultures, for example, all students across the university have to take courses in that. It's uh, as a gen ed requirement. We have a course in that area, in that space now, my class, diversity and advertising, for example. But beyond a, a single class, one of the things that we try to do, Gina, is make sure that we're infusing it throughout all of our classes. One of the things that we do in the Department of Advertising, for example, is when we have our uh, retreats, when we think about our curriculum kind of broadly, uh, when we talk about the content of our classes, you know, what we really try to do is to make sure that diversity isn't just the thing that resides only in one class, but it's infused throughout all of our classes in some way. Is it infused in the uh, the resource material that we use, we, you know, making sure that all of our content only isn't or hasn't been written by one group or a, per, a set of persons from one particular point of view or only talks about one audience or only talks about one type of media. So making sure that as we think about our curriculum, about our research, about what it is that we're teaching in the content of our classes, making sure that we're offering students that breadth throughout their their educations with us, not just in, in singular classes, because other, otherwise what you do is you don't, you don't really communicate that it's a value, right? It's a, it, it becomes a, it becomes a one-off, right? Uh, right. And if, if, if a thing exists in a one-off, then what kind of subtly gets communicated is that, well, it's, it's not really that important. Right. I guess then I, I do, I, mean, I am curious. So what is the value and why is it so important to focus on diversity? Well, that, that's an excellent question. One, it's, is the business case for it. Study after study, after study, after study, after study has shown, has demonstrated conclusively that a greater level of cognitive processing. So we just, we think better. We think more accurately. We challenge ourselves more often intellectually, I'm speaking. If and when we find ourselves in diverse environments, if we assume, just walk into a room and we assume that the people there, for example, for whatever reason, are going to be different than us 
for whatever reason, aren't going to agree with us or whatever reason are going to have a different point of view, have a different background, have a different educational level, whatever the case may be, whatever that, that, that set of differences may be based on, you know, gender, ethnicity, physical ability, those, those types of things as well. Then as that happens, we presume already that we're going to have to, to work harder to achieve consensus. We assume per, perhaps that we're going to, we already presume and we're, we're taking action in our mental processing space that we are going to have to bring more to bear in terms of what it is that we say, what it is that we think, what it is that we do, how it is that we act in those diverse environments and from those diverse environments, from those diverse teams, from that breadth of expectation, uh, experience, background, education, outlook, all of those things, then comes greater output in terms of what's developed, greater output in terms of creativity, greater output in terms of insight, greater output in terms of productivity, so if we have those things, then that offers us the opportunity to go further than we perhaps would have in a homogenous group, right? And that I think is the great opportunity for us in these industries, in our, in our, in our media and advertising industries is to continue to push that forward as we're all figuring out, right? What the, you know, necessarily what the new world looks like before we, you know, before we're all replaced by AI, right? So, but. But that's what I, 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 I jest a little bit, but that's what among the many things, uh, that, you know, that diversity does. And the other thing that we can't forget is that our nation is our, we're already undergoing this, right? This shift has been going on for the past 30 plus years, right? And so what that means is that for our coming generations, our millennial generations and beyond is they're already amongst the most diverse in and within in and within our nation's history. So they have an expectation of it, right? They have an expectation that when they uh, are in, uh, in certain environments that they're going to be diverse. So they're looking for organizations that are diverse. And if they're not, then they're going to move on to ones that are. And that's, and that's something that we're continuing to learn necessarily as well, that they, that they want and they anticipate that, that diversity outside the classroom and that, they'll, that they'll, they're going to be expecting it in their professional worlds as well. Yeah, and we see that a lot too um, with some of the the thought leaders that I follow, journalists that I follow that cover Gen Z. Like people will leave jobs they will not apply. They'll they will not go to that job if they feel like they're not in, entering a diverse environment or welcoming of that. Uh, it's one of the main things that we we look for nowadays. So it's absolutely true. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're going to be changing the world of work as we knew it. I mean, obviously it's, it's changed from, I'm 53 years old. So it's changed from my changing from my generation. Certainly it's different than, than my, my, you know, my father's generation that, you know, find a place that's going to hire you and that you can work for 35 years. I mean, no, that's yeah. not, that, that was his experience. He worked at General Motors yeah. for almost 30 years. Amazing. And, but yeah, but that's just, that's not what it is anymore. And so no. diversity is one of those places in which that which came before is going to be different than that which is coming to us, which is with us now, but is also continuing to to speed its way toward us in the in the oncoming future. Absolutely. I love it. Um, now, can we switch over to your teaching side and what what that experience is like at the University of Illinois? Because I'm sure that's a little bit different from being the associate dean for diversity, equity, inclusion. Uh, do you guys put belonging in there as well? We put, we add the B now, the belonging portion of that as well in our, in our company at Havas. 
Yeah, as as a thing that we do, yes, just as a as a title. Um, titles titles are established when we when they're done formally. They're established mm-hmm. as part of our uh, uh, established as part of our bylaws. They're established in a formal sure. way. So anytime there's a title change, it's a it's a it's a little harder yeah. than in uh, yeah. than 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 in a uh, industrial environment or a business environment. But okay. yeah, as as a thing that we do, absolutely mm-hmm. unquestionably, belonging is part of. Uh, yeah. It just doesn't. Um, because not part of the official title gotcha. of DEI. Gotcha. Uh, so tell us about your teaching and like, what do you, what are the, some of the classes you teach and how does that kind of fold into the greater purpose of the diversity efforts? Sure. One of the things that's, uh, that, that happens is as if you serving in, in administration in the university, if you're a faculty member, that usually comes with a, uh, a course release. So traditionally. I would have been teaching two classes per semester. Now I teach one class per semester Mm -hmm. because 50% of my role is administrative. Uh, So I just teach the one class. Uh, Now I teach a class called, I think I've mentioned it before, teach a class called diversity and advertising in which it's it's a 100 level class. So it gives students a a high level overview of the development of diversity in the advertising industry and in advertisements over the course of really the 20th and early 21st centuries, um, just to help them understand the foundations of where we are now, help them understand how, you know, brands, agencies are approaching diversity in terms of content, in terms of employees, in terms of advertisements. Uh, so that's the class that I teach. In addition to that, uh, back when I w- was and in the future when I will teach uh, my two classes, the other classes that I teach are, I teach a class called Advertising History which goes which really advertising history in the United States. I've heard great things about that the, class. Oh, well, excellent, excellent. I haven't had the opportunity to teach it for a few years, mm-hmm. um, but uh, it's, it's one of the, it's, it was the first class that I taught here at Illinois. It's actually probably the thing that brought me um, to teaching here because the diversity class has only been around for uh, two semesters. The advertising history class was on the books before I came to Illinois in 2001. And I, I picked it up after I came here uh, so I teach that, and then I teach a class called Classic Campaigns, which just looks at classic advertising campaigns in the 20th century. So, which are all the Apple Macintosh, Volkswagen Beetle, that kind of thing. Incredible. I mean, because it's so important to have the knowledge of the best of the best of your industry, whatever field you're in, is to know. It's so important to know what is celebrated, and you can probably pick those apart and figure out what the concepts are. You could probably figure out, you know, what tools were used and apply it to your own campaigns today. Something we talk about a lot is, and one of the most, I ask each guest for resources and we post it on our Instagram at breaking entering pod. One of the most frequent things is to look at old work via CA communication arts manuals, communication art manuals, CA annuals, we call them. Um, so I'm sure you've you assign that or you, you, you look through those or Lurzer's archives, I believe, um, is another one, but just those award shows is so important. So I'm, I was not, I, I didn't take any of those classes, but I wish I would have, and I wish I can. So maybe I could sign up. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. No, but I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, I, I've always uh, appreciated the adage that, you know, first we learn to imitate and then we can learn to innovate. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we learn, we follow, we copy, you know, we, we recopy, we, we, we adopt a style, 
Mm-hmm. And then as we've done that from there, you know, emerges, you know, kind of our own style, because wherever we are in our beginning space, whether we're, we're actively, if we consider ourselves creators, whether we're actively doing, considering ourselves doing it or not, we're probably imitating somebody, you know, yeah. if you're a writer, you know, you start off with, man, I'd like to write like this. I'd really like mm-hmm. to be able to write like this person. And so you, you find yourself maybe adopting their style and maybe their voice until you find your own voice, right? And, and for some people, you know, if you're uber talented, maybe that your own voice arrives sooner than other people's, but that, that sense of imitation, that sense of imitation, that sense of studying, having knowledge and, and reading and viewing and looking at what came before, I think is, I think is, is, is key in our, in our creative professions. And what level classes were those? Uh, because I feel like they should take those pretty early on just to get the foundation probably set as soon as possible. The, the, the history class was a 300 level class that, that was in, in Ill, at Illinois, you can consider, we go from in our undergraduate program, we go from 100 to 400 level. You can kind of consider mm-hmm. 100 to be 100 freshmen, 200 sophomore, 300, you know, appropriate for junior level, 400 appropriate for senior level. It, mm-hmm. people blow across those boundaries, of course, Yeah, but it was a 300 level class. So that kind of junior level class, but that was more a holdover from when we were a two-year college, because for much of my time here, you couldn't actually enter the college of media. You couldn't major in advertising, for example, until you were a junior. So all of our classes were at the 300 plus level. We've since brought the advertising history class down to a 200 level. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's designed for students now to take it kind of earlier. Uh, in their career. So kind of among those foundational classes that they might take, like introduction to advertising, diversity in advertising, advertising history. So we've brought the level down a bit so that ideally students will have the chance to take it a little bit earlier. When was the shift from two to four years for the program? Or how does that work? Oh, I'd have to look back, but that feels like it was in about um, 2015, 2016. And I, so don't, don't quote me on that. Cause okay. I, I could have that. I could have that wrong. So recent, um, recently, I mean, not relatively too, too recent. Yeah. 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 And what was the case, you know, so much of your time, cause you've been, how long you've been teaching at university of Illinois in the since, average since 2001. Okay. So about 22 years, I believe that my math would be correct. Um, and so majority of that time, it was a two-year program or, you know, you would do your two years of undecided or whatever your general studies were, and then you would transfer into advertising. Is that correct? That's correct. That's, that's how it would work. And the, the, the challenge for that, for us was what that meant was, um, it starts to challenge your recruitment possibilities, right? Because you can't, you could come to Illinois want to major in advertising, hope to major in advertising, but you couldn't actually do it until you would apply to get into the program at the end of your sophomore year. But Mm -hmm. you may be told, yeah, no, you can't, you can't major in advertising. We're out of seats. You can't, you just can't do it. And so what the shift among other things allowed us to do is to open up the opportunities for students to major in advertising, uh, starting as freshmen, um, it opens up recruitment possibilities. It allows them to be in the program longer. Uh, we've changed the curriculum uh, in the last few years so that students have the opportunity to take more classes in the uh, 
in the advertising program. Uh, we have more classes now that fit for general education requirements. So students can not only take an advertising course, but they can fulfill a larger, uh, a larger general education goal in, in their, in their, uh, in the, in their program. So, you know, classes that help fulfill your, your gen ed in, you know, U.S. minority cultures, um, in statistics and calculation. So we have those opportunities now. So students, the, the, the idea is that they'll have the chance to, to deepen their, their involvement and their educations in advertising was the impetus for our, for our shift from that two year to, to the four year program. Gotcha. And I know, I think we might've spoke before we started recording. There are schools that do focus on the creative side of advertising and there are more portfolio based schools. Um, where do you see Illinois fitting in that spectrum, either from being account focused, strategy focused to creatively focused? What I know some have tracks, some have cohorts I've spoken with at different universities. I guess, how would you brand the University of Illinois advertising department? You know, I think the way that I would, I would emphasize it is uh, kind of a phrase that we're, we're, we're taking up, if you will, is that at Illinois, you have the opportunity to kind of choose your own adventure through advertising. You have the opportunity to take classes and really develop a background, not just a class, but a series of classes in a variety of areas that are, you know, more broadly connected to areas in the industry. So creative, uh, interest in strategy, uh, interest in research, interest in data and computational. Uh, a broader interest in advertising and its role within our society. You can do that as well. Um, so at Illinois, what you have is the opportunity for both breadth as well as depth. So you can get a, you know, a broad education in any of the aforementioned areas by taking classes kind of across that range of, of topical areas. But you also, though, have the opportunity to go deeper into any of those areas. So if it turns out that you have a a deeper interest in the creative aspects. So you can take a, instead of just taking one, you can take two and three plus uh, creative classes. If you have a deeper interest in strategy, you can take two, three plus classes in that. If you have a deeper interest in social media or computational advertising, two, three, four classes plus uh, in those areas. So you have the opportunity, I think, to, to have that breadth to come in, learn something about advertising, um, get a broad view of it, but also learn which parts of it uh, attract you the most, right? Because some people, you know, they, they look at the industry and they say, well, I want to be a creative, but it turns out they'd be a, make a, make a wonderful strategist mm -hmm. or a wonderful planner, uh, or vice versa. They think, well, you know, Hey, my, my aunt was a, she was a copywriter and, and I'm creative and I want to write. And then it turns out, well, you know, maybe. Maybe not so much. I, I'm really more interested in the data side, research side, uh, you know, the audience insight side of, of the business. And so here you have the opportunity to learn about those areas, but then also, again, if you want to kind of dive into one, you really have the opportunity for that exploration as well. Love it. And then after that, don't you guys offer a master's degree as well in advertising? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, we do. We've got the, the, the master's now in strategic brand communication as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Shahar Marone may have talked about that. So, you know, we've, we've, we've had the opportunity to develop some, you know, some exciting new things in the last few years. Absolutely. And now high level, I want to go over how you got into all of this, how you broke into academia 
And then I also want you to pair your advice with this as you walk through the big points of your career, how you got to where you're at. Give some advice along the way, if you would, if you don't mind. Sure, sure, sure. You know, I, I, I'll tell you, Gino, I think the thing that I always thought about was um, I wasn't one of those kids, young people who could always say what they, what they wanted to do, right? So I never was able to think about it in terms of so much what I wanted to do. I only was able really to, as I thought about my future when I was 22, 23, 24 years old, uh, I thought in terms of what do I want my days to look like? What do I want my work day? What do I want my work week to look like? What type of people do I want to interact with? What types of things do I want to be doing? Um, so I thought about those things. I certainly thought about things like job stability um, as mm -hmm. well. But for me, I was able to eliminate some things. I knew I did, for example, I, I spent you know, four plus years working at Nationwide uh, in their annuity services center. So answering calls for people who talked about the uh, talk about their 401ks and 403bs and things of that nature. So I, I'd had the opportunity to be on the corporate side. I, I was in the military, um, as well in the army reserve for eight years. So I had the opportunity to explore, you know, kind of how I wanted to, 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 to live and what I wanted to do on a daily basis. Um, and it, I had the opportunity to explore that in a number of different ways. Uh, and so that kind of led me to to the act, to the educational side of things. And the question was really, um, you know, in teaching, where do I really want to do that at? What level do I want to do that at? And I originally wanted to do it at the, at the high school level. I was going to be a high school, uh, history teacher and I was going to coach. That's what I was going to do. I was going to be a history teacher and I was going to coach. I was going to coach, coach track what? and basketball, track and basketball. Did you play growing up? I did. Um, and so I wanted to do that. And the only reason why I didn't is that when I switched my major in undergraduate, uh, I was, I had actually started taking some of the educational classes, some of the teaching classes. And I found out that, uh, it was a requirement that you had to do one year of student teaching, uh, to get your teaching, your, your teaching degree. Yeah. And that yeah. was going to plus one me at, at Bowling Green. That was my undergraduate institution that was going to plus one me in terms of graduation. And I said, I can't, yeah, I can't, I can't do that. I gotta, I gotta be out yeah. there making I got to be out there making some money. Uh, so I, I was struggling with what to do because I was taking history classes and I thought I was going to be a history teacher. And I remember talking to one of my professors and she's talking about my dilemma. And she said, well, why don't you go to graduate school and get a PhD and become a, and, and still teach, but become a, a professor. And so that's what I, you know, that's what I did. So, but now the PhD route then, isn't that four more years of school? It's, it's six more, but I six needed, more. I felt, yeah, I felt I needed so to as get the, out of First it. you needed one, you, you were worried about <laughs> having one more. So you added right. six more, I added six more. Yeah. You know, I think the, the way that I thought about it was, uh, I wanted, I felt like teaching in college, if I became a professor would offer me, um, maybe more job stability than being a teacher. Uh, it would also probably keep me away from teaching students like the type I had been when I was in high school, you know, too much, too much mouth and too much comedy in the classroom. Um, nothing wrong with that. And, and I also just, I wanted to be done with being in, you know, being an undergrad, you know, that was for whatever reason, that was a real motivator for me. It's, you know, that, you know, it's time for me to get my bachelor's and to be done because I had already been extended while I was there because I was in the reserves 
And so Desert Storm happened, the, you know, the United States experience in Kuwait and Iraq happened when I was a sophomore, I believe it was, at the end of my sophomore year. Um, and so that, I lost my fall semester and my spring semester because my reserve unit got mobilized. So I had already lost a year. So somebody telling me that, you, that I was going to have to stick around for a, another year on top of the one that I had already lost, that for whatever reason, that just didn't, that just didn't sit well with me. I just felt like I need to get my bachelor's and I need to move on. Um, gotcha. Even though, even though, as you pointed out, I'm moving on to plus six rather than plus one. Um, I just thought I needed, I needed to get out of, and I, I liked Bowling Green. It wasn't that I didn't like where I was at. For whatever reason, I was just motivated by finishing my bachelor's degree. Get it done. Yeah. Yep. That's totally fair. Yep. That's totally fair. And then where did you get your, so where did you get your PhD at? Uh, the Ohio State University, Columbus, Ohio. Go Buckeyes. Uh, so yeah, so I went to Ohio State and I was there. I graduated Bowling Green in 1994. And then I was at Ohio State until 2000, uh, 2001. Amazing. So for the, for the master's and PhD. Gotcha. So I, I like your advice already. I think there's some important lessons. When you were younger, you thought about how your days were going to look and how you, how you would spend your time. I think that's really important and something that I've visualized. I wrote down what I wanted, how, what my ideal day in my journal looks like when I'm older and mm -hmm. I'm sure you probably have the same exercises when you were younger. Um, I, I think that's advice right there, right? Everybody should do that and, and be real with themselves. Like, what, what do you want to do? What does your day look like? So do you, did you achieve that goal? Tell you talk know, your I, 24 year old self here. I, I have to say I have been, um, exceptionally fortunate and that I, I actually have, because once I got to, um, Ohio state, uh, one of the things that I figured out pretty quickly is that I wanted to do more than be, uh, just an academic. I wanted my work. I wanted my impact. I wanted my opportunities to be, uh, to be heard. I wanted those opportunities to be heard by certainly by folks you know, within my profession, within the academy, but I also wanted the opportunity to impact an industry or area mm -hmm. outside the academy, right? I wanted the opportunity to talk to people. You know, I studied, besides that, I wound up studying and, and researching in the area of advertising. So I wanted, you know, to be able to talk to folks in the advertising industry, right? And, 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 and to be heard by them. Um, and I, I also appreciated one of the things that students don't think about maybe enough as they, as they think about, well, I wouldn't want to be a professor and this is the reasons why. Well, one of the things I think that students miss about being a professor, um, especially one at a research institution like Illinois, um, is just how entrepreneurial it is, right? And what I mean by that is that you have the opportunity to research the things that interest you. So I have a great degree of control over what it is and how it is I spend my time. And that was always important to me. Um, right. I didn't want to always have somebody telling me what to do and where to go um, and when to be back. And, mm -hmm. you know, that was my kind of my experience at, at, at Nationwide. Not that I didn't love the job, I did, but it was, I don't want to spend, you know, 20, 25 years like this 
mm-hmm. you know, with somebody looking at their watch and saying, well, you're, you're, you're 10 minutes late coming back from lunch and all of that. So I, uh, to answer your question, uh, to shorten my answer, you know, I have, I have had the opportunity to achieve, uh, to achieve a lot of those goals in terms of, uh, in terms of my research, in terms of what I've been able to do at a place like Illinois. Um, I considered myself exceptionally fortunate um, to find a job at a place at a great university like this, uh, especially with a history degree in 2001, because places like this weren't necessarily hiring historians uh, back then. So I've, I've, I've considered myself really fortunate. I'll, I'll say that. Well, I love to hear that. And I'm sure all your students in the past 20 plus years are fortunate to have had you and I'm sure are still connected with you. And I'm glad that we're connected now. And I want to make sure that our listeners can be connected with you. So what is the best way if they want to reach out to you, ask you any questions, um, maybe transfer to Illinois, who knows, mm-hmm. um, how can they reach out? Ah, uh, the best way is my work email address, JP. C-H-A-M-B-E at Illinois.edu, which I'm sure you'll put uh, in the show notes. People write me, I'll, you know, I write them back, right? I'll, I'll, I'll talk to folks. People write me out of the blue sometimes. They'll say, hey, I, you know, I read your book and, you know, I just wanted to connect with you and ask you this set of questions. And I always write back. I don't, I don't blow people off. Um, so if anybody has a question, an issue, whatever, whatever it may be, um, you know, connected to, to advertising and education, I'm, I'm always happy to talk with folks. And where can they find your book, most importantly? Uh, the, the, the easiest ways to find them are on, uh, on Amazon. The first one was called uh, Madison Avenue and the Color Line, uh, subtitle African-Americans in the Advertising Industry. Uh, the second was a co-edited piece I wrote uh, called Building the Black Metropolis. And in that, it was a series of essays on African-American business development in Chicago. And I wrote essays on uh, two African-Americans that were in the magazine industry, John H. Johnson, and in the advertising industry, Mr. Tom Burrell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can find that one on Amazon. And my third one is coming out next year in February, and it's called Advertising Revolutionary, uh, subtitled The Life and Work of Tom Burrell, which is a biography of the Chicago ad man that started the Burrell Advertising Agency, um, Mr. Tom Burrell. Wonderful. What was his famous quote that everybody should know? What, wasn't there one that it's, can you remind me? Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Tom Burrell's probably most famous singular quote is that black people are not dark-skinned white people. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Black, black people are not dark-skinned white people. And what he was talking about there, what he's calling about there, is the recogni- the recognition of difference and the difference is okay, right? Different, different groups of people see things, experience things differently, think about brands differently, have a relationship with brands and products and advertising that are different. And so we can, so that we, we should lean into that rather than trying to kind of smush everybody into a, a, a set of homogenous characteristics. Yep. Thank you for that. And mm-hmm. we'll have to, I'll link to your books and, and all of that. So. Thank you for coming on, uh, Dr. Chambers. Let's stay in touch. Absolutely, Gina. Well, thank you for having me. I've appreciated the conversation. Of course. It was wonderful. Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode of the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. If you like what you heard, it would mean a lot to us and help us grow and get better guests and better break-ins if you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us five stars and a small review if you have the time. Be sure to connect with our guests if you like what they said by going to our Instagram 
at breaking and entering pod. That's all one word, breaking and entering pod on Instagram. We have links to their portfolios and their LinkedIn, and they want to connect. So do that. And thank yous. Thank you to Mikey Malarkey, our audio engineer, and Buchan Zhang, our creative director. Can't do it without you two. And a team from the University of Illinois. It's a student team from the agency called AdBuzz, their PR agency. And it's been a pleasure working with them. Thank you all so much. And we will see you next week with another amazing guest. Thank you so much.